Good morning, y'all. Jonathan Wilson here with Jonathan Wilson at large. Thank you so much for listening. This is... Hell, I don't know. Episode 9? Fuck. My contact just came out of my eye. I'm not even joking. You can come with me while this happens. I'm now putting the contact back in my eye. I'm in my bathroom now. I was in my living room recording. Oh my god. It's so dry. It's so dry. But also, like, whoever figured out contacts were an okay thing, first, I don't know how a human being could imagine this would be okay, but it is somehow. So you had to be a pretty, pretty like, contrarian individual, I would think. You know, he was like, nah, it's okay. We'll just put it in our eye. Everyone was like, nah. Nah, man. But somehow. Somehow it works. Okay. Little saline, we're back. We're back. Today, I want to talk about what I always want to talk about, which is lifestyle design. Um, no, scratch that. Tim Ferriss has lifestyle design. Lifestyle design is a thing. I want this to be a little bit different. Uh, we're calling it lifestyle development. Um, yeah. Lifestyle development. Development, um, leans more toward enacting a a process than design. Design leans more toward, uh, simply constructing uh, a possible process. And so what I'm, I'm not only interested in developing a general, uh, method of living or a way of, of developing one's own, uh, a general way of developing one's own method of living. Um, while also providing a step-by-step process that anyone anywhere can replicate in order to establish themselves in that lifestyle without ambition. So it doesn't require uh, starting a business, finding your passion, or choosing a career like many of your other options uh, or or like many of the other uh, people will suggest that you do. So I've been working on this for a while, and I'm recording on my iPhone, so now I'm going to Google Docs. This document will be attached, I guess. Um, Let me find it. This is uh, how to go rogue, what to do when you don't know what to do. It's a simple method anyone anywhere can use to start or start over from scratch. 
and live an intentional life of healthy rhythm they won't regret. The first step in everyone's life is what we'll call adolescence, and it contains two things, uh, we'll say, uh, primarily birth and learning. And, and you're learning from, one, reality itself. So you run into the wall, you fall. Uh, you know, you're learning about the case that you're within and are, or are. But also, other people are telling you things about the case that perhaps they've verified or they've heard other people have verified um, or they th think can be verified. Um, that you yourself have not directly verified. And so um, there's all this data coming in throughout our life until, you know, up to, uh, well, let's say in general, 18. Um, 18 years old. I think adolescence actually ends at 21, but um, let's go with 18. It's the earliest one can get out and begin standing on their own two feet. But I also want you to note that this, this, is what, this is what I would tell an 18-year-old to do right now if they were wanting to start living their life uh, and developing momentum toward their goals, even if they don't know what they are yet. <laughs> and that's the issue with most people. A lot of people say, I don't know what to do with my life. Um, or I don't know what I want to do with my life. Let's, let, uh, rather. When they say this, well, it can't, it, it's not true, first. It's not that they don't know what they want to do with their life. It's that they don't, for some reason, they can't choose, or if they do choose, they can't continue to choose. That is, they can't stick to it, uh, stick to their choice um, regarding uh, what they want to do. The problem isn't that they don't want to do anything, uh, usually, though I think there are some of those individuals. Uh, the, the typical problem, I think, or at least one of the problems, is uh, we want everything, or we want many things. Um, it isn't that we don't know what we want, it's that we want many things and we're smart enough to realize that we can't go get them all. Um, however, anytime we commit ourselves to one, we're always threatened by the other, and the grass always seems potentially greener, and then you, 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 you bounce back and forth until nothing occurs. I want to say, though, that this, this method could also be applied to someone who's in, uh, at the end of a midlife crisis. Maybe they're recently widowed. Um, um, maybe they've recently uh, gotten out of a bad partnership. Uh, maybe they're recovering from addiction or, or mental disease. Um, Someone could utilize this process pre-college or post-college. Um, and the, I don't mean to 
when I when I lay out what I'm about to lay out, it doesn't have to be strict. Again, I'm I'm attempting to lay out a general a general framework that people can adapt um, to themselves. And what this is is a method that anyone anywhere can utilize to to start or start over from scratch and live their life intentionally in such a way that hopefully they won't regret it, independent of whether they fail or succeed. Which, when we're honest, we have to admit isn't entirely always up to us. So adolescence ends, you've taken in all this data, some of it's necessarily true insofar as you've directly experienced it, but you've also been given all these filters of human concepts. We can call these this layer of human concepts the map, and then the wall that you ran into was the territory with your body, you know, and your body's the territory as well, the things that exist beyond our concepts. Kant refers to these two things as the noumenal and the phenomenal realities. Once that's over, it's the, you're then shoved out, sort of, and you're said, now stand on your own two feet. And this process begins. Now, previous generations, when they were raised, were raised on a certain kind of data. And this, uh, previous generations were, um, sorry, I just got a text message that was distracting. Previous generations were, largely raised on data that agreed with it, with, uh, that, that agreed. This idea was in agreement with this idea, was in agreement with this idea. The percentage of ideas that were in congruence and not mutually exclusive that they took in were, uh, it, was, it was a high percentage, okay? Now, though, uh, it, the world operates a little bit differently. The primary resource now for, of knowledge is Wikipedia, by, you know, statistically. And Wikipedia has a thing called uh, the neutrality policy. The neutrality policy says that if you basically Google anything contra controversial and click on a Wikipedia link, uh, whether it be whether Jesus Christ is the Son of God, whether there is a God, which, uh, what's right regarding abortion politically, uh, whether or not uh, there is or is not a soul, um, some metaphysics, uh, even epistemology and, and uh, all of axiology and, and aesthetics, anything. You can find the, the, a neutral take on, on those subjects. So the individual who doesn't know anything about that issue and then comes to, to, to want to know more about that issue, goes to this resource to do it, is going to see the best argument for it, the best argument against it, uh, from the best... Uh, uh, you know, orders on either side, and uh, the and see the best evidence for and against it, um, from either side. An individual raised on that kind of data is going to have different belief structures in their brain, if any at all, if you can even call them belief structures, in their brain than uh, the individuals raised on dogmatic data. These individuals will not be able to make sense of what is going, what has, uh, 
happened uh, previously, which is the association of individuals with possibilities. Uh, that is, believing. What is belief? Belief is telling yourself or others something is the case that you cannot currently verify. Um, I'll say it again. Belief is telling yourself or others something is the case that you cannot currently verify. The Zen tradition, uh, one of, I believe it's the second tenets, is uh, uh, one of the second tenets, uh, one of the tenets, I believe it's the second one, focuses on removing all of these. you'll find that many of these you hold on to out of fear. And to quote Merton, perhaps you have no burden to carry all of these opinions about the world. Um, if you are necessarily uncertain as an individual who must continuously take in data, who is part of a, a process, we are not static. That's what, we, we never arrive. We are always here, and that, that, that is called process. <laughs> um, that individual doesn't ever need to, for, for, for some reason, we feel like we need to say that something is the case regarding some things that there's no way for us to verify uh, are the case right now. I'm open to the idea that in time we will, we will develop, perhaps, ways of verifying uh, perhaps previously religious or philosoph uh, previously purely philosophical claims. We're smart enough to use matter within the case to build new types of eyes that see data that our... Uh, you know, our nervous system um, can't take in by itself. But even when we take in, for example, UV light through an instrument that we've developed to be able to see UV light while our eyes cannot, um, it still must, <laughs> even that data must be filtered through our nervous system. Um, we can't get away from the fact that uh, each individual is doing the experiment. You know, there are individual scientists doing the experiment. We 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 know as much as our our our, our nervous systems are telling us. I've never been to Japan. So uh, we're 16 minutes in. I don't know. I'm, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna start with. So adolescence ends. The second thing is you can optionally locate a partner. Okay. So that's step one. And I think I'm just going to run through this really quickly. 
Um, the third thing, minimize possessions. So uh, get down to only uh, exactly what you want of the things that you need. Note that you are responsible for defining that which you need. Uh, it is necessarily subjective. There might be an, an objective answer. Um, but, uh, you know, from here as a contingent being, we have to deal with the, 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 the subjective life. Um, and hope that we hit the objective, uh, though we may never know it. Or though we could be hitting it and, and not know it. Note that the man who has less needs is harder to crush, less easily affected. When you're doing, when you're, when you're working on this, when you're attempting to minimize your possessions. So that's step three in the process. Step four, streamline expenses. Don't pay for anything that you uh, don't, want or need to pay for. Again, take the same note. The man who wants and needs less is more difficult to crush. He has less appendages for you to cut off. Step five. Now that you've minimized your possessions and gotten lean and streamlined your expenses, Move to a major urban city in a well-developed nation. Now, this isn't uh, necessary, um, but the the point here is that money is typically where the people are. And uh, this entire thing is is an attempt to develop a sustainable, uh, a life of sustainable risk toward your goals, uh, whatever those might be, Uh, and a life of, uh, of, of healthy rhythm as well. Uh, so the reason we say move to a major urban city in a well-developed nation is because basically there are more jobs that pay more money because there are more people and there are more, there's more opportunities. So think top 20, uh, top 20 in the U.S. or top 20 in whatever country you're in. Um, I'm not sure if the rest of these numbers that I'm about to state will hold up internationally, uh, but people can use the framework to derive their own numbers. Um, step six is identify addictions so what you're going to end up doing eventually is have a sort of daily rhythm that develops and you'll find that the reason you can't execute this daily rhythm even though you have the money to do it in a in sustainable fashion etc 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 is because of these things we call addictions <laughs> It's these things that we do even though we don't want to do them. There are shortcuts for a dopamine drip. There are shortcuts or hacks for the uh, reward process. But life is better if you make yourself work for actual rewards and earn actual rewards. Um, the things that are sometimes, things that sometimes become addictions, though, aren't necessarily evil. So remember that. And I'm not attempting to make any ethical, or or, I'm sorry, I'm not attempting to make any moral claims here, objectively. Um, 
I can't verify moral claims. Um, we're talking about, uh, I'm interested in discussing um, ways of living without knowing. So identify those addictions once they begin arising. And at this point, you're going to have to start doing the hard work of, of suffocating them, of um, of getting rid of them. And these are the things that you do instead of doing what you should be doing. They're the easy things to do. Every one of you can probably name yours now. Um, or at least the things that, if you're not willing to admit you're an addict by nature. We all have dopamine. Um, I think we're all addicts by nature. Perhaps you'd at least be able to note that which is most threatening to you. And note that these addictions can be horribly subtle and aren't necessarily demonized culturally or publicly. Uh, these addictions could be um, well accepted. Um, things like utilizing an iPhone um, or the internet. Uh, or, 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 or even entrepreneurship. <laughs> entrepreneurship. But alternatively also solitude could be an unhealthy addiction. There's a quote, all things in moderation, even moderation. Uh, so after you identify addictions, you step seven is identify trends. So this is going to be utilized later, but basically what do you think is going to work? And get honest and authentic. Don't, don't buy a book about this shit. Look around. Shop how you need to shop with the money that you're, well, you know, that comes a little bit later. But um, your locate... What do you think is going to work? And I think it's obvious here to me what I think is going to work. I'll share mine with you. You can utilize them if you're not certain. Um, but the uh, everything's going to be prefaced with technology. Technology is the increase uh, of computational power and all of the abilities that come uh, come with that within the case. It is also synonymous now, I think, perhaps, given that Computers can wake up. That computation is consciousness. Um, synonymous with evolution. With the process of evolution. Uh, so everything will be um, sort of underlined by technology uh, in, that I'm about to say. But I think food and beverage will live on because uh, so far an iPhone can't, you know, do that. Um, we will become increasingly agoraphobic and uh, so things like delivery model or delivery companies uh, will spring up and, and continue to work until 3D printing makes it possible for me to print a burrito in my, in my kitchen. Um, Medicine will continue. Entertainment will continue as a result of the agoraphobia. 
um, as well as a result of the automation. So, you know, once we start automating the cars, what do we do while we're sitting in them but listen to podcasts? Or not even that, perhaps then we watch TV or watch movies or whatever. Um, abundance is boring, and <laughs> you need, uh, when you're bored, uh, you need some things to do, and we typically we call that entertainment. It's, it's fake drama. It's everything that we don't have in our own lives. We live vicariously through that which we're viewing, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, these are some of the trends that I think will live on. I've written, uh, I think I've written those out more specifically on my blog. You can check it out, medium.com forward slash at Jonathan Wilson. Um, you can also get to all of this stuff by just going to Jonathan Wilson at large. It just forwards to the SoundCloud, SoundCloud page that I use to host the podcast. And all of my links are there to various social media and blogs, etc. Uh, step eight, get a simple job within walking distance. Okay, this is the most um, efficient, uh, I want to say anti-fragile thing you could do. Um, when I say simple, I used to call this NEI, or non-existentially invasive. It's typically, it's the highest paying job you can find that uh, where you have to do the least, specifically off the clock, and where you're not existentially invaded in such a way while on the clock, that it affects you, you, you off the clock. Um, also, uh, you know, it probably wouldn't be salaried or something like that because then, I mean, it could be if you were getting a good salary. Uh, but, it, you know, it might, it's typically not the situation where you're working 70-hour work weeks for the man um, and he's paying you a set figure of, of 35000 or or something like that to, to manage a restaurant. It would be better to be, in my opinion, to be the server in that situation um, next, uh, so you've got a simple job within walking distance. This, this job should be, um, pretty easy to get, easy to lose. Uh, in, in my experience, you can make, uh, in any major urban city, uh, you can make $25 an hour on average, 40 hours a week, uh, waiting tables. Um, you can get pretty close to the same average, uh, doing, uh, Uber, um, things can be pieced together, and that would equal about $52,000 a year adjusted for an increased cost of living. So, for example, in New York City, it would be you, you could earn a little bit more than that in either of those roles um, on average pretty easily, like, pretty easily. But you also have an increased cost of living, but it should, it should cover that. So the assumption here is that um, $52,000 uh, a year... Um, should be able to be earned via non-existentially invasive small jobs in any major U.S. city uh, in the country at any time in about 40 hours or less. Okay? So that's the assumption. If it's not true, um, work with less. You know, and perhaps you do have to start somewhere. For example, I had no experience waiting tables. So uh, I started bussing tables, and then they eventually put me on the floor. Then they eventually made me a bartender. Uh, then I eventually got offered management, uh, turned it down, etc. So uh, you, you might have to work into it, but um, it's, pretty, it's, it's pretty possible without ambition given that uh, you are okay 
uh, you know, doing things like serving that perhaps society looks down upon. But it's all part of your plan, so fuck them, you know? Get a simple job within walking distance. Uh, the within walking distance just makes it so that you don't have to pay for a car if you don't need to. Remember, uh, this utilizes a sort of minimalism if necessary. Uh, get another sim uh, Step nine is get another simple job within walking distance. And the reason you do this is to diversify your income. These simple jobs are easy to get and easy to lose. So if you lose one, you want to be able to turn the other one on full time in order to not miss your, uh, not miss your investments and etc. So um, you need two, two at 20 hours, $25 an hour on average each. Uh, so if one averaged 20 and one averaged 30, that would be fine if one averaged, you know. Uh, whatever it might be. For example, your night gig might average more than your morning gig. If you had, uh, if you worked a night gig five nights a week and a morning gig three days a week, uh, that would be, uh, you could have anywhere from one to three doubles in that situation. Um, but you should be able to pull about $52,000 a year. So if, when you get another simple job within walking distance, what I would suggest that you do is you diversify in regard to two things. Doing so the nature of the activity, if you're sitting down in one, be standing in the other. If you're interacting with people in the other, be a, solita be a solitary in the other, if you can. If you can find jobs that are that, you know, that diversified, that both pay well within the same city that you can do, uh, this will give you more longevity here. It'll make it easier to do this longer if needed. Um, it will also uh, diversify you regarding risk. Uh, if one industry goes down that you are dependent upon, for example, if all of serving goes out to iPads uh, and you, one of them is waiting tables, you can just turn on your alternative. You can just drive for Uber full time. Next is uh, step 10, establish ideal workplace rest ratio. Your ideal workplace rest ratio uh, the idea here is, for example, I sleep uh, eight hours a night. I work on average. Uh, I'm trying to actually remember my actual numbers. Essentially, you establish a, a ratio from how long you work to how long you play to how long you rest. And the reason you're doing this is because you need to become okay psychologically with the idea of your work, independent of what it is. Okay, note that the cave, how do you do this? The way I do it is I note that the caveman would have had to till, till the field or, or hunt the game. Okay? He would have had to do that. And that's just an essential part of, of living. We live in this fractured world, you know, of specialization so it looks, and, and capital and money. So it looks a little different. But ultimately, no matter what you're doing, you're, you're hunting game. You know, I buy filet mignon with the money I make. Um, you're hunting wild game. When you, when you go out, we just live in a, in a... We are cursed with the boredom of abundance, but I don't want to bitch about that, you know? So, for an example, I, I want to work one out real quick for you. An example work-play-rest ratio would be... Uh, you could work on average six hours a day. Rest on average uh, eight hours a day. Uh, 
and that would leave you almost 50% of your time to play, especially if you can knock that rest down to seven hours a day. And I typically do not sleep uh, a full eight hours. Uh, so knock that down to seven and six, uh, you're getting close to, very, very close to 50%. Uh, so that would be a work-play rest ratio where you're saying, I want to work and rest um, at least, uh, uh, at, uh, n never more than about 50% of my time. The, because I want 50% I want to myself. And this is a way of, uh, of identifying a, a ratio that you attempt to maintain moving forward so that when people offer you supposed raises, you know, uh, that threaten your freedom, you have, you have a way of, of figuring out, okay, how much am I working compared to how much am I playing compared to how much am I resting? Consider, considering the part of my life I'm in right now, do I perhaps am I perhaps okay with it working a little more? Work isn't necessarily evil if you choose it. If you choose your chains, you know that they're freedom. You know, they become they become freedom. They're they're weights at that point. You know, <laughs> put them on the bar. So uh, there, there may be different stages in your life, you know, where sometimes you work, you're okay with working more. Um, I wanted to work less when I was first meeting the, uh, the girl that I consider my spouse now. So, uh, but now we've gotten to know each other, we've gotten to know what we're into, and we largely find that we're either discussing the same things that we've discussed before you know there comes a point where silence is okay and at that point you need to start you just need to do things either with each other or alongside each other and so we kind of become more okay with work of certain sorts or certain types uh, and trying to make some progress in different areas uh, together so that's just one example number 11 after you establish a uh, ideal workplay rest ratio, you target the nation's medium, median income adjusted for increased cost of living. So we talked about this a moment ago. Um, the reason you give this, a t you, actually, you even mentioned this, and I'm not saying that everybody has to make this amount of money or anything like that. You need a way of quantifying um, when your, 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 an, an achievable goal without ambition. And a lot of people don't realize that this is an achievable goal without starting a business, choosing a career, or finding your passion. The truth is you can begin moving forward right now without knowing um, exactly what the fuck you're doing or exactly what the fuck is going on. And what I'm suggesting you do is do that. Develop that momentum and allow that momentum to carry you forward on your search and perhaps you will find what you're looking for. Perhaps you will become what you uh, want to become. The I believe the median income right now is fifty-two thousand, um, or at least that's what I've been working with. And again, uh, in Charlotte, North Carolina, I've been able to average twenty-five dollars an hour, forty hours a week, uh, between one to two small, non-existentially invasive gigs uh, for the past three to five years. So it's definitely doable, and that so that equals a thousand dollars a week comes down to a hundred dollars a day post tax on average.
If you can find a way to get $100 a day post-tax on average, you're earning $52,000 a year. You're in the top 1% of the whole world. If you um, don't like these jobs, you say, I don't like serving, I don't like driving for Uber, consider that all you would be doing in one of these big corporate positions is also being in a cubicle, selling a bunch of people a bunch of shit that they don't want or they don't need. Also touching touching uh touching the screen you know fucking with a computer the entire time i mean these jobs are very very similar to what you either this is the truth you either become content where you are or you're never going to be content you're either happy here or you're never going to be happy this is what you have to learn if you can figure out how to be happy right now right where you are then you will be able to be happy tomorrow happiness cannot be contingent upon anything if it is it can be taken So uh, you use this as a target, and you basically make it so that um, I call this quantifiable happiness. So this is when I've arrived. A, a bump up from this might be the $75,000 a year number just because of that statistic. I like that because of that stat that came out that said that that's basically the happiness number, that nobody gets any happier above that number. And I just found that so interesting. Um, so that could be another sort of target, uh, you know, an, an RX plus sort of thing. Um, next, you implement your budget. So here, I would outsource to um, Dave Ramsey. He has an odd spiritual bent at times, um, or can, some of his content can. Um, ignore that. Utilize the envelope system. Utilize his suggestions on budgeting. Perhaps utilize his 10 baby steps. Um, but uh, he's done a lot of research, and he has a large team that's done a lot of research regarding what's the best way to do different things uh, that, that largely apply to working-class individuals. So uh, I want to defer to him here and say, uh, I mean, he has a budget, budgeting tool. So just Google, like, uh, Dave Ramsey budget tool and, that, and, and utilize. So, so financially, we're going to defer to him for right now. Uh, that's that's what we'll, what we'll do. Um, I have an example budget that I can like read off to you. Hold on, let me go find it. It's in my notes. Go into my notes. This is an example of a budget on a thousand dollars a week pre-tax. Um, so, for example, if you were doing this via serving. You would work five shifts, seven hours each for 35 hours a week, 4 p.m. to 11 p.m., 700 in sales per shift, or $140 in tips at 20%, $21 in tip out on average, that's plus $15 in hourly, which pays your taxes. You're talking about $119 per night, or $600 basically per week. You then Uber five hours a week for $25 an hour minus taxes and expenses. You could do this only when surging, for example. $125 minus $20 in taxes and expenses gives you $105 in profit. You're over $700 for the week. And so that is uh, in post-tax, post-cost income. And uh, so that's the equivalent of a $52,000 salary right there. Uh, so $52,000 post-tax is $3,100 a month, $700 a week, $100 a day, $25 an hour at 40 hours. Okay? So rent would be $500. Uh, it could be a, a per person. Now, this could be a luxury apartment. 
Um, if this is low to you, just note that you could invert it with food. The reason this is low to me is because I like to have a small but nice space. I'm a minimalist uh, and just eat really, really well. Uh, rent $500, luxury apartment, or 100. This can afford a luxury apartment or a $100,000 home with $20,000 uh, down. Uh, you can then rent that out on Airbnb for $100 a night per room uh, in order to uh, help pay for it if ever needed, which is just a uh, a way of um, mitigating risk. Car, $350 gets you a brand new Prius C with insurance, new every, uh, every three years that can earn at least $1,000 a week with Uber and Lyft if necessary. Phone, uh, that could convert to a Tesla, that would be the sort of RX Plus there. Phone, $100, iPhone with unlimited data, uh, you can get that for 100 bucks. Insurance, $100 or healthcare savings. So if you can't get uh, insurance for $100 for me, I just put it in a savings account. Um, uh, miscellaneous is $150. Uh, dedicate this to whatever you dedicate it to. Uh, I have this dedicated to something specific, uh, and I'll, I'll, I'll refrain from mentioning it at the moment. Uh, next, food, uh, $900. So that's up to $30 a day from Trader Joe's and Chipotle, basically, is where I'm mostly eating. Uh, I get 5,000 calories for that, all primal, and uh, that basically includes, included in that budget is my going out. So, um, a lot of people would want to switch food and rent, and that's fine. For example, my girlfriend could do it just because she doesn't need to eat as much as I do. Savings, $500 a month, that's maxed out, uh, that maxes out an IRA each year, which is going to get you money back on your taxes, obviously. And uh, if you were to do it for 40 years, just waiting tables, which this budget shows that you could do, uh, you're looking at a multi-million dollar retirement at just a, a basic uh, assumption on the S&P 500 re return, you know, of, of 8 or 9% perhaps. CrossFit, $200 offset with... Uh, Training, so ex for example, eventually that you pay $1,000, you could become a CrossFit trainer in three years once you master it. Everything that you're doing, you're attempting to do to the best of your ability and developing mastery within. So CrossFit, you can offset that with, uh, with training income eventually. Yoga is $100 a month. That's hot yoga. Uh, offset that with teaching eventually. You can do the same thing. And then uh, $200 more for clothes each month. And... Uh, for me, that's not, you know, that's not really important to me. Now, this isn't the only way to budget. You can do it however you want. You might have kids. It might have to look totally different. I'm just showing what can't, the kind of life that can be lived off server income. And, uh, and then I'm trying to make you realize that at this point, this isn't that bad. So there's that. Uh, if you start at the bottom, it's a really great benefit. And the benefit of it is, is sort of is stoic. You might have heard Tim Ferriss' podcast, but um, one of the ideas that the Stoic, uh, that, that's within Stoic philosophy is that you would practice the worst for some time. And the reason you would practice the worst for some time is because you would realize that it's not that scary and it's not that bad and it takes away your, your, your fear of failure. Um, so when I'm able to work what people call, you know, in America is like the, jobs, the job of a failure, basically. <laughs> You know, they, you know, nobody like wants to be a server. When I'm able to work these jobs less than 40 hours a week when other people on salary you know, are working over 40 hours a week and earn 
more than I could earn with my two college degrees and extensive graduate work. The, it's, it's pretty wild. And, and when off the clock, I can do, uh, be dedicated to what I, developing what I think is, is profitable for the world or profitable for myself or my family or whatever. So, um, implement a budget. Implement a budget. That's where we were. That's what we did. Uh, we talked about buying a car. That's step 13. Talked about buying a house. That's step 14. That was within the budget. Uh, so I gave numbers for that. Uh, 15. Sign up for Uber and Lyft. That's ways of monetizing the car if necessary. Um, at least just to pay it off if you wanted. So you, one can easily make $350 a month for Uber and make that a zero zero cost. And you say, well, I don't want to drive for Uber. Well, what else are you going to spend your time doing? Jacking off? Like, the answer is your addictions. Sitting on the couch, watching a TV show, what, uh, eating food that you don't need. What, whatever your addictions are, that's what you'll end up doing uh, in that time. So what you need to learn through meditation, and that becomes in a moment, is how to be happy doing everything. Because you have to be happy who, being who you are, and you are who you are wherever you are doing whatever you're doing. If you can become content with who you are, then independent of what you're doing, you can be happy there. Perhaps this is the kingdom of heaven. Perhaps this is the kingdom of God. That's always within and without and to come. That's here and there. Number 17, uh, or number 16, do we say sign up for Airbnb? So, for example, if you had a $900 mortgage, you had a two-bedroom, two-bath uh, house, you could rent out one of the bedrooms nine nights a month for $100 and pay for the mortgage and your living cost-free. Uh, that really takes no time, and it's a great way of not being uh, unhealthy solitary and being uh, a little social and, and sharing your, your space and your house with guests. Uh, it could be a great practice, and it pays for your mortgage. It'll, it'll buy you assets, Okay. Uh, and then, you know, if you were doing the same thing with your car, you're almost live. I mean, you're knocking out two huge expenses there. Um, identify fire number. Fire number is basically how much you need to quit. Is it, a, it should, for, for me, I, I would think it would be a million for myself. It would be two million for me and my girl. It would be five million for us and my whole family. If we were talking about like, Enough, enough to just quit. Now, maybe that's low for some of you. I don't, I don't know. Again, this is subjective. You define it yourself. But you identify that fire number, that place that you will stop. Okay? Uh, immediately then pay off all debt. Pay off all your debt. Use the snowball method. Again, this is finance, so we're going to defer to Dave Ramsey. Uh, we're at 18, guys. There are 35. Just letting you know. But they get faster. Um... Pay off debt, so that's done. Imagine that you pay off all your debt. You've got $52,000 a year or $1,000 a week each. You've got a partner. Uh, you're living based on that budget. You know, you're saving $500 a month. It's maxing out your IRA plus each year. Um, you're getting money back on your taxes. Next is pay taxes annually. I use TurboTax for that, but that's another, you know, you just do that annually. And you're going to be able to report that IRA stuff, you're going to be able to report the use of your car uh, for Uber. So uh, next, number 20, use, uh, use credit karma. But number 20 is begin building credit. Credit, the word for credit 
uh, or, or, or the Latin root for credit is the same as the word to believe. It means to believe, <laughs> which is really funny, uh, given my own research and belief and, and uh, religious epistemology. Uh, credit is, is, it's, you know, I mean, if you think about that philosophically regarding what's happening economically, that's very interesting. That's very interesting. So uh, begin building credit. Now, the credit system may be partially bullshit. We could go fight club, you know, and Brad Pitt on you. But also, uh, you're here. So if there's a simple way to get a good credit score and maintain it, do that shit so you can get a cheaper Prius and a nicer house. You know, like do it. So use Credit Karma, knock it out, figure it out. Uh, yeah, begin building credit. Again, we'll defer here regarding finance to Dave Ramsey. Begin investing. So what I, could ha I have a few things that I could defer to here. Uh, one of the books that I read that I just really, really loved was Buffettology. Um, you could defer to Buffettology, but realize how much bullshit exists within these next two points. 21 and 22, begin investing, begin trading. Um, financial service industry is bullshit. These people know that there is no guarantee that they can produce a return or that a return will be produced. All they're trying to do is manage your money for you and take a guaranteed 1% or 2% a year or more. Um, that, they... They can't say that it's guaranteed. They realize that, and they don't. Uh, it's a, it's a, that's a legal thing. But um, you've got to realize that there's no guarantee in this for anyone. Like, like, they don't know things, really, that you don't know. Yes, they may not have studied financial theory. They could understand charting and indicators and, and have a whole system and strategy. But just that strategy could have worked a thousand times up until now and lose for two thousand times from now forward. There is no guarantee. Moreover, the, if you're analyzing the past, like let's say people are attempting to form a strategy, you're analyzing the past. The past presupposes that you haven't been involved. So the second that you analyze these patterns and then you begin making bets within the actual game based on these patterns, you're a new player in the game that wasn't previously calculated in, 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 in looking at history. So there are no guarantees. Buy no bullshit here. Buy no bullshit. It doesn't mean don't invest. It doesn't mean don't trade. It means don't waste your time here. Don't waste your time here. Turn it on. Leave it and go. Buffett has said that his wife, uh, that if he outlived his, or if his wife outlives him, uh, the money will just simply be invested basically in Vanguard funds. Um, one very easy way to do that is with Betterment um, or any other of these robo-advisors. You can just shove it in, shove it in the IRA, turn it on, leave it, let it compound. It'll follow the S&P 500. Then it will also do tax loss harvesting, different things like that that actually... Uh, increase supposedly increase your likelihood of return based on uh, historical analysis. But again, there's no guarantee there. There can be no guarantee there. Uh, could be total bullshit. Begin trading. Um, trading is a cool thing because if you're ambitious and you want to, tr you, a, a lot of people like gambling because they just kind of want the rush of, of uh, making an attempt. I'd like to talk about divertisement here, but it's kind of getting it's 51 minutes. I won't go, I won't go over an hour. Um, 
Divertisement is an idea from Pascal. And it might have come up before that if it did. Sorry, whoever that was. Um, but imagine a man who takes $1,000 each morning and gambles it away in order to try to make $1 million. If you approach that man in the street and you say, Sir, I will give you $1 million on one condition. And he says, what is that? You can never gamble again. He might say yes, but you will make him miserable. What this man wants is not the million dollars. What this man wants is to continue gambling. If you understand this, it will fuck your life up. You don't want the things you want. You want to want. Perhaps if you silence that, suffering will stop. So trading um, is a, can be a form, of, a form of gambling. But if you do it within your budget, for example, you say, okay, I'm giving myself $5,000 every... 10 years or 5 years or whatever it is, uh, let's say $5,000 every 5 years for the next 40 years of my career to blow on attempting a trading strategy or making bets that I feel like I've got a hunch, you know, those, those speculative things. Um, a controlled gamble is almost a practice that can, I think can get that ambition out. The thing is, is don't waste time on it. Don't waste time researching and, 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 and whatever. Let it be part of the flow and then pull the trigger. I mean, you're either going to win or you're not. There are no guarantees. So if you spend your time looking for a guarantee, it's a wasted effort and a, and a, and a fear-based motion. And uh, I don't know. I don't, I, I don't think it should happen. Moreover, um, trading in itself is producing no value. People will argue this economically. But essentially, you can see why they would say it's not producing any value added. Um, products basically so um, you're not contributing any it's not entrepreneurship because you're not contributing any value to to the economy uh, instead you're just taking this here and putting it there and vice versa however the thing so so note that what we're building here is we're just basically setting up your life so uh, everyone should be investing everyone should be trading everyone should have an income everyone should be out of debt everyone should be um, paying your taxes everyone you know these are just rhythms basically that we're building we haven't even gotten to the part we're we're building a sustainable life right now and then by the last few steps you'll start implementing um your work your work so uh, this is another way of understanding this is how to hustle. This is how to hustle. So we begin building credit, we begin investing, we begin trading. Again, investing and trading can be automated. Even the trading in the morning, you could join, uh, for example, a, a, a chat room uh, with people who are traders for a set cost per month. Just work that into your budget. And... Um, Wow, this car almost wrecked outside of my window. You can work it in for a set cost um, in, in your budget and have two hours each morning from 9.30 to 
that you trade with them with that five or ten thousand dollars every five or ten years and it's a controlled attempt to learn a skill and compound and it's like it's it's gambling but it's controlled and so you need again you need healthy addictions so if you do that and then you have crossfit next then you have hot yoga coming and you've got great food between all of that then you have work with people that you like and you've gotten over the idea that some that anything can fulfill you that anything can be everything and so you're able to just be there vacuuming the floor or waiting those tables and be as happy as you 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 would be if you were in bali or on the top of mount shasta because everywhere you're just you everywhere you're just you next we have um begin practicing hot yoga and then 20, step 20, that's step 23. Step 24 is begin doing CrossFit. Again, these are ways that I've learned to outsource necessary parts of life within society at the moment. We live a splintered life. Used to, we would work out while going to get our food. Now things are more specialized. So um, Glassman and CrossFit and the trainers there, you know, you pay $200 a month and you just outsource your life to, the, to that part of your life, the fitness aspect of your life, the nutrition part of your life, perhaps, um, uh, at least in part, to them. And you just say, okay, do this. And you go in each day and you just, and you work and you leave. Okay. So this is a way of deferring and, and outsourcing that part of your life, basically. Next, begin following the primal blueprint. Um, again, these aren't necessarily the right or only diets or anything like that, um, or the only, there are other th- things you could do other than CrossFit. Um, when I refer to hot yoga, I'm referring specifically for myself to Bikram and Baptista. I utilize Baptista in the morning. I utilize Bikram at night. I utilize CrossFit in the middle of the day. I eat primal throughout the day. I eat five meals at a thousand calories a piece, primarily from Trader Joe's and Chipotle, and it takes less than two and a half hours to uh, get prep and eat all of that on average each day. Couple that with good sleep. Uh, good sex and uh, community throughout, and and you've got a you've got a good life. You got a good life. Um, so Twenty six. Implement lifestyle based affiliate affiliate marketing. So basically, um, as you become associated with things, uh, those things will pay you to talk about them. So just make sure that you are up on that. In so far as you have a link ready to hand out or ready to email or text to somebody if somebody wants to sign up for Uber or if somebody wants to start eating Primal like you or if somebody wants to start doing CrossFit. Maybe you can get $10 a month off your membership for referring other members. All I'm saying is however you're living your life, utilize this as a way, uh, monetize this. This is not network marketing. This is um, as close as you can get, I think, without... Uh, without just like bothering people, you know, it's, it's natural, it's organic. Oh, this is how I'm eating. You can just buy this book. Would you mind doing it through my link? So I get $7. Um, and you text them the link. So implement lifestyle based affiliate marketing. Um, how to do this. Check out, um, well, I mean, all of your brands, your, your favorite brands, like for example, on it, um, if you just, you know, you really like kettlebells, buy some of those kettlebells. And then people say, oh, what kind of workouts do you do? Oh, I do kettlebell workouts. Da, 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 da. You know, you can write a simple medium blog post about what DVDs you use, the structures that you use them, uh, you know, in regard to the week, which kettlebells you use and how people can do the same with a link to a package that you've built, you know, your affiliate links. 
um, that have the same equipment and the same DVDs. Just an example, just an example, but uh, at the bottom of most of the websites of your favorite companies, or if you email them, you may be able to work out one personally. Um, an affiliate agreement uh, is, is typically offered by, by a lot of the coolest companies out there right now. Step 27, begin meditating. Um, mindfulness meditation, I would suggest John Kabat-Zinn here. YouTube John Kabat-Zinn, or just Google him. You'll find he has uh, three or four mindfulness CDs, and they're just guided meditations. But what's happening is this. You are... This flurry of thoughts is continuously rising up in your, in your head. Um, you are not what you are thinking. So what they do is they choose a sensation. Breath coming in and out at the tip of the nose, the weight of oneself in the chair or on the ground at the bottom of their feet. The sounds that people are hearing. They identify one of these and say, when my mind begins, when, okay, so a stream of thoughts is happening in your brain. It's just happening. It's just happening. There are two ways that you can be regarding those thoughts. You can either be caught up in them or not. When you identify this thing, whether it's the breath or whatever, whatever it is, when you identify this thing, that is the thing you continue, uh, uh, continuously remind yourself of or pull yourself back to in order to not be a part of, not, not identify yourself as the equivalent of your stream of thoughts that is occurring. Um, you are not them. They're just occurring. They're, they're fire. They're, they're synapses firing in your brain. They're, and, and what's wild about that is that synapses get, uh, the patterns form, and it's easy, almost like grooves. It's easier for the same synapses to fire again, so it's hard to think new things. Okay, so you begin meditating. We're at an hour and two minutes. I promised it wouldn't go past an hour. We are super, super close. I could end it here and make you wait for the rest of it, but I won't. It'll only take a few minutes. Next is join local communities. So I myself am an ag identify as an agnostic pluralist. I don't know whether there is a God or which religion is true. Um, however, that doesn't mean that you can't interact with people around traditions, potentially myths, or potential truths, given that we can't verify whether or not they are true, uh, at different times and, and study different, different ones. So I would suggest joining local communities. Um, at times I go to Mass, and at times I go to a Sangha. Uh, so that would be a, a Catholic and a Buddhist uh, community. Um, this is beneficial because it's good to be known as a lo uh, locally, I would think, you know, and these are, <clears throat> in a digital world, we've got to be careful not to only have digital friends, and we need to know real people, and, and so many times we just create an echo chamber with our social media of people who sound like us, or, or think like us, or who are the same age as us, and these other communal places, like, have a way of 
putting different kinds of people in the room at the same time and in such a way that they can learn learn things from each other and perhaps pull pull each other out of some of those uh, patterns those those synapses that that have gotten used to firing in the same way over and over again it'll help them think new things perhaps next implement quarterly week long stay slash vacations so every quarter that's every three months my girl and I take seven days off and we go on a vacation it's budgeted um, and yeah it's just a good break it's a good practice I think it's a good practice uh, alternatively though sometimes you could practice staycations I understand wanting to get out of your own house um, maybe uh, just get a hotel room downtown um, and everything that you save on traveling somewhere else, because ultimately when you go somewhere else, you're going to be the same shitty person there as you are here. <laughs> uh, you know, wanderlust, wandering, uh, wandering won't save you. Um, once you realize that you can save all the money on, on traveling, given that you like the, the climate where you're at at the moment, and uh, just... Maybe eat better food, or eat more better food, or, uh, you know, blow that on something else. I don't know. Step 30, develop mastery. Okay, so now you've got all this free time. Everything's just running. Your savings, your retirement, your trading, you're taking risk. You don't, um, everything's just running. Your debt's paid off. Your credit's done. Your, uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Your, your mobility is taken care of. You've got a spiritual practice in there with hot yoga. Uh, you've got um, CrossFit in there and, and, and nutrition taken care of. So everything's just like turning at this point. You're just, you're just in, this, in this rhythm, this healthy rhythm of life. And again, the specifics of that stuff are subjective. You determine what, it, what they are, but note that you can defer to some of these popular things that people have largely said uh, that the people have, in sort of democratic fashion through capitalism, uh, confirmed, do work, um, insofar as they are successful. Next, once you're here, you've got all that playtime, right? So you can start de devoting some of that playtime to mastery. Now you could do it within one of the specific aspects that you're already doing, uh, you could become a nutritionist or a hot yoga instructor or a CrossFit uh, coach. You could uh, get, uh, you could begin teaching trading or teach people how to invest. Like uh, you could start a blog about Uber and Lyft or you can live the life of an artist if you've always wanted to make music or if you've always wanted to, whatever your thing is, this is where you now begin developing it. Why? Because now you have capital you have a healthy body, you have a healthy mind, you can sustain, or listen, the odds of anything working that's are worth doing are low. You're likely going to fail. You have to realize that up front, and it has to still be worth doing. And you have to figure out how to enjoy, live a life that you will in, not regret. If failure does happen, 
because ultimately that's not entirely up to you. We need to praise the failure because a lot of us uh, stand on his back. Everyone can't be, everyone can't win. Some people were responsible for finding out how not to do it. And we should admire them. And perhaps this is where things get political and you start thinking about what is possession and um, basic income, etc. But you develop mastery here. It should take 10,000 hours. Based on my work-play-rest ratio, I can f figure out that at, uh, I don't remember the exact numbers, but it was three hours a day of, of mastery development or whatever it was. Uh, at the ten, with the 10,000-hour rule, I could master, uh, I believe it was five or eight things within my 40-year career. So then you can, uh, and, and what you can do then is develop a career, and you can, do, you can do that without pressure because everything's taken care of. So then what you can do is, is um, truly develop that skill, truly let it develop from your perspective as what you are, offer to the world your art, what you have to say, independent of whether it will work or not. And organically, if any of it does, that will become your career. If any of those five to eight attempts do work, or if you just want to keep doing one of them, um, but a lot of people get bored. Uh, and, and, and they could even complement one another in time. And they definitely would be complemented by one another in time if you did a series of five to eight, you know, with um, in a row, different ones. These things can become organic careers, the kinds of careers that people dream about. But typically, those kind of careers aren't ones that are just chosen up front. So... This is all the way down at step 31 of 35. And step 35 includes death. So, like, um, everything is in place. It should, but what we did was we got everything in place without ambition. If you have a better job than serving that doesn't bother you and you just need to give it from 60 to 40 hours and you can negotiate that, then do it. Do it. I'm not saying everybody has to become a server. Um... If your job is not existentially invasive, I've given you an option. Um, and if you don't have a job and you don't think you can get a career job, I've given you an option. Um, there are different situations for different people. Some people are felons and they can't get any jobs. Uh, and some people have bad driving records so they can't drive for Uber. You're going to have to adapt this thing to your own life. But there is a way forward and you don't have to know exactly what is going on. You just have to get involved. And from there you can see problems and you can find uh, ways of solving those problems. You can see needs within actual communities or groups of people where there are actual people who will pay for uh, fulfillment of that need, and then you can develop it. So once you convert your mastery to career, and this could happen, this could be anything. It could be anything. You could be an entrepreneur, you could be an artist, you could be, you could be anything, and in some ways now we are all everything because the iPhone has made doing everything so easy. But once you convert your mastery in, organically into a career, you can, begin, you can then replace your job with your career. Um, so then you can quit uh, the, the J-O-B. 
Or you might want to keep it a couple nights a week for some extra cash. And you might just like the friends there, and it might keep you out of trouble. Um, also, consider the, reti the retiree that works at Walmart. He doesn't need the money. Why does he do it? And if you can do the equivalent of working at Walmart at the age of 25 with a complete and full retirement in place, how is that not the equivalent of retiring at 25 or 18? Quitting before you ever get started. Because, yes, we need to make progress and we need to continue trying, but in, in some way we all know that culture is bullshit insofar as it's constantly changing. So nothing that we're encapsulated by. CrossFit isn't the point. None, none of these things are the point. And, it, and it's so hard to get actually involved with them and not let them seem like the point to you in your psyche. I mean, it, to every individual, the world revolves around them. And that's just the way that this thing is set up. That's just the way that the case has been built. Uh, from there, once you've got your organic career in place, you can create art through it. Um, that is, share your perspective with the world um, freely, sustainably, without coercion. If any of this cannot be done, then the answer is, whenever you say, I cannot get a job of median income, or I cannot get enough to pay my bills, or I cannot take care of my body, or whatever it is, if, it seems then that you would be suffering an injustice. And the, your fulfillment in life would then come from the process of fighting that injustice until it got to the point where you could replicate a process similar to this. That is a sustainable, uh, find a sustainable way of living that complements one another and uh, provides for all of your basic, basic needs. Uh, so step 33, create art sustainably freely from here through that organic career, through that mastery that you developed. Create, share your perspective. That is your medium, right? That is your medium. And your medium can change throughout time. You can master different mediums. Yeah. Step 34, transition off the grid. Step 35, hit the fire number, procreate, and die. When you procreate, uh, you know, when you talk about procreation, that assumes a partner, which was optional above. Um, you know, if I had kids right now who are turning 18, this is what I would hand them. And I would say, uh, nothing is going to be everything. You're never going to arrive. All is process. Work through this. Develop a healthy daily rhythm and settle into it. Figure out how to really uh, let each one create desire for the next, you know. Addictions are only bad if you don't have enough. If you have enough different addictions, you're not doing any of them enough for one of them to destroy you. Um, in the same way that milk quenches your thirst after a chocolate chip cookie or a peanut butter and jelly, you know, let the yoga quench the thirst that the CrossFit develops and let the food quench the thirst that both of those things uh, that the CrossFit develops and let the water uh, quench the thirst that the hot yoga develops and and let the sleep nourish all of that and let the work remind you, you know, when you're working, note that you're working so that you can do the things that you enjoy doing here that are good for you 
and um, it should take up your whole day. You shouldn't have any time for your addictions, and you should be able to move the fuck on. I love you guys. That was the first time I've ever gone through this entire thing in audio format. Honestly, it was kind of taxing. I hope it wasn't taxing for you to listen to, and I'm trying to get this out because I think it's helpful. It's If that's narcissistic, you know, God damn it, I'm sorry. Uh, and I realize, and, it, and it's hard for it not to even feel narcissistic. I mean, I'm self-aware enough to, to realize that the attempt to tell other people how to live their lives is kind of, it, it could easily be seen as a dick move. Um, I'm not saying I'm right. This, I'm interested in having this conversation, and this seems like a need. People don't know what to do, and they let that stop them. We have to figure out how to move in unknowing. And if we can, but, and ultimately, we have to learn how to do that because we're never going to know. And I think we realize that now. Jonathan Wilson, signing out. Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. <laughs>